I think it is beautiful that we do not just gather and receive, but every Sunday you come, you are also giving. You are also blessing somebody. That's the whole purpose of doing service, all right? You are not here to receive the service. You are here to give your service to the Lord. Amen? Why not you, you give your neighbor a big smile and say, um, you are giving your service to God. In the month of April, um, we started this team called Passion and Wilson preached about the cause of passion. The following week, Pastor Keith came and he talked about the boat and how the boat that we are supposed to leave to follow Jesus, God can use that for His purpose. God can use that to bring us to the other side. And we want to believe God that really God has a greater purpose for our lives, for our church, for our nation. And last week on Easter, praise the Lord, we have, uh, um, on Sunday, we had 320 people. Saturday, we had 90 people who came. And after that, on the Little Lighter celebration, they had 60 people. So all together, we have 400 over people. Why don't we give Jesus praise? Amen. It is really the Word of God. And we understand last week from the Word of God that the passion of Jesus is evident on the cross. That this Saviour is not just talking His talk. He is not just telling, I love you and sing a love song to you. But this Saviour actually dies on the cross. Through suffering, we know that His passion is real. How do you know if someone is passionate for you and passionate about you? It is when this person is willing to suffer for you. If you ask somebody to go for a trip, to a vacation, many people would follow. If you ask someone to suffer with you, probably many would not. But Jesus displayed His love for us through and today as we come with the last installment of this series, Passion, um, I want to talk about, I want to show you what happened after Jesus was resurrected. John chapter 20. If you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 20. I think um, last week we stopped at John chapter 19. And here we continue, John chapter 20. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Madeline went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Mary Madeline, the lady who loved Jesus. She was the one who anointed Jesus with the perfume. She was the one that woke up early in the morning, even before the dawn. I suppose, I suspect, she didn't rest well. She couldn't sleep well. Since she couldn't sleep, I might as well just go early 
to visit the tomb of my Lord, to visit the tomb of someone I love so deeply. Sometimes when we have passion, the passion would drive us to do something crazy. How many of you here, you would visit a tomb alone before sunrise? Oh, think about Mount Erskine. I, with Timothy, I don't know if Timothy made it to that trip. We did cycle um, through Mount Erskine. You were there? All right. There was one, I think it was 12 a.m. Man, when we cycled through Mount Erskine, we suddenly felt there was very good air conditioning there. It's like it was, there is this quietness and the chill goes deep down into your bone. But Mary Madeline, a lady, woke up when it was still dark and visited Jesus. He, she missed her Saviour. Let's look at verse 11. What happened? But Mary stood outside the tomb, by the tomb, weeping. You see, this is by the time she already informed Simon. And Simon and John had also visited the tomb. But as a guy, you know, this is very logical, they went back home. But Mary again stayed on. The Bible said that he stood, she stood outside by the tomb. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting. You see, when we learn how to wait upon God, that's when we experience something supernatural. If we always try to rationalize everything, like I pray, nothing happened, let's move on. Right? If I expect God to do something in my family, nothing happens, let's move on. We may miss God's divine moment. So Mary, she saw two angels in white sitting. This is what Peter and John did not see. One at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Madeline came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things to her. Isn't it amazing when Mary stayed back, when Mary could not get over the fact that her Saviour is missing, when she was weeping and she was sorrowful, Jesus actually met with her before Jesus met with the disciples. Even before Jesus was ascended to heaven to meet His Father, Jesus ministered to her. It is amazing that God doesn't work by formula. Like, I should meet my call first. I should meet those people who can really preach the gospel. I should really meet with people who are serving. I want to believe God that this conference 
that we are going to have, it will be an encounter for many unexpected people that you may not even be a leader in church, but it will be an encounter. We will have encounter room. We will have a place where you can just dwell and seek God. We want to believe God that as we prepare as a church, no matter who you are, even last week you just got saved, someone prayed for you. You just knew Jesus this week. But as you stay on and wait upon Him, God will begin to meet you where you are. Amazing. She could not recognize Jesus. Probably it was still dark. I do not know. Probably Jesus in His resurrected form had to be recognized. But she could recognize the voice and the words of Jesus. It is important that we know how to recognize Jesus. John chapter 21, verse 1 to 9. Today we are going to read quite a bit of scripture, so take time to look at the text slowly. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, it's, it's amazing that John wanted to emphasize it in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Jebedee, two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. How Jesus appeared to them was very personal, yet was very unexpected. Jesus knew where they were. Mary Madeline was sorrowful. She was lost. She couldn't find her Lord. Jesus met her there. In other Gospels, there were two disciples. They were on the road to Emmaus. They were so depressed that though Jesus walked with them, they could not recognize Jesus. And there you have this group of people who have spent the past three and a half years with Jesus, yet again, they could not recognize it was Jesus, Peter, James, and John. You know, sometimes in our lives, when we go through hardships, hard times, we cannot recognize the work of God in our lives. We cannot see it until we know that it is God. Then we realize everything plays 
a part in what God wants to do in our life. They were sad. They were depressed. Their passion was fading and leaking. Some theologians say probably the resurrected Jesus carries a different body, different physical appearance. So it was, big, it was harder for them to recognize. I do not know that. But I'm just wondering if today Jesus were to walk among us, if Jesus were to speak to me, if Jesus were to touch me, do I recognize it is Jesus? Last week, after the service, I was speaking to a friend that visited our service from Alosta. Then I asked her, this is your first time, right? How did you meet Jesus? She said she's so excited that she brought her mom and aunt to service. So I asked, how long have you been a believer? She said, one year plus. I said, how did you know Jesus? And she said, you want to know? Nobody told me about Jesus. But one day when I was depressed, I was in the pit of my life. I couldn't get up. I was in deep depression. I couldn't sleep. And one night when I was in that pit, somebody had a pet on my back and I turned back. I saw the light and I knew it was Jesus. Jesus may not appear physically to many people today, but perhaps He has used things, people. And the heart of Jesus is to reach out to us, to touch us, so that we can be passionate again. You see, when Mary Madeline, when she saw Jesus, she ran back to the disciples and spoke to them. The two disciples on the way to, when they met Jesus, they just spoke to Him. When they realized that it was Jesus, their hearts began to burn again. Say, we, let's, let's go back to Jerusalem. Let's go back to where the disciples are because I believe they were so disappointed. They were on the way leaving their calling, leaving the call of God upon their lives. But when they met Jesus, the passion continues. It is the same for Peter, James and John. They were going back fishing. I do not know whether Peter planned to do it permanently, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he had those thoughts. Now Jesus is gone. Sometimes he appears, sometimes he doesn't, and we do not know where to find him. Let's go fishing. And you, you know what? When he was fishing, Jesus gave him fish. Yet, but when he realized that it was the Lord, he left everything and he swims to Jesus because he knew that his purpose is not on the fish, but his passion is in following Jesus. I want to talk about passion today. Is the passion of Jesus in our heart today? After the Passion Weekend, are you more passionate than ever before? After knowing what Jesus has done for us, is our heart burning with a new passion that is not from human, but a passion from above? Are we burning with something that we cannot describe? 
like how the disciples did. When they met Jesus, something was just burning in them that they could not express. John chapter 21, verse 15 to 19. And when they had eaten breakfast, you see, Jesus didn't, Pastor Keith showed us, Jesus didn't need the fish from them, really. He had fish there. But after they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. The first encounter Peter had with Jesus Jesus said the same thing, follow me. And now, after three and a half years of following Jesus, Jesus said the same thing again, follow me. Sometimes, the very word that we need to listen to is the first word that we have heard from Jesus. It is to trust Him with our lives. It is to love Him with all that we are because He has loved us after following Jesus, after serving in Him in ministries, no matter how far you have travelled, it is still the same word, follow me. That's how we start, that's how we continue, and that's how we end. Passion is something that is beyond reasoning. It comes from encounter, it comes from relationship, it comes from an understanding of purpose. And passion is contagious. When Jesus, He died for the, us on the cross, He died for the disciples on the cross. And when they saw that, that passion is contagious. Now, Jesus began to prophesy, Peter, you are going to live the life, a different life right now. You're going to live a life of suffering. If we do that, if I say this devote conference, the promise of God for your life is suffering, I think nobody will sign up. <laughs> but that is the deal. Jesus says, you love me, you tend my sheep, you will experience suffering. That is the deal. You know, sometimes passion is passion that will allow us to see beyond our suffering. It's the passion of God in our lives. That is why when you go China, you go different countries that experience persecution for their faith, these people can look beyond that suffering because of the passion from God. But the key is this. 
there was only one question that Jesus asked three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? If Jesus asks this question, if Jesus visits your house today and my house, what would your answer be? Do you love me? Jesus understood one thing. It is Peter's passion for Jesus that will determine his role in ministry. It is the passion of Peter for Jesus that will determine what he would do in the future. Whether he would follow Jesus, whether he would tend the sheep, he will feed the lambs and tend the sheep. It's all about passion. So friends, a lot of times, we try very hard to encourage people, join ministry, serve somebody, preach the gospel, shine for Jesus in the marketplace. All these ideas sound great, but I think it all starts with, do you love me? Because if you don't love Jesus, we won't go the distance. No matter how good the offer is, if we don't love Jesus, we won't want to take the trouble, especially Penang Night Malaysians. We don't go the suffering path. But passion. As we talk about passion this month, I was just discussing I was just discussing Endgame, this movie with Wilson and some of them. And I haven't watched the Endgame at all. But the whole idea is these heroes, these Avengers, the idea is whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, we will do it. We will save the world, whatever it takes. Isn't that true? They, pro they will probably just copycat of Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, isn't it whatever it takes to save the world out of sin? And when Jesus died for us on the cross and He rose again from the dead, the disciples, if you read the book of Acts, I think it's the same tone. Whatever it takes for the name of Jesus. Whatever it takes. If it is to go to prison, man, let's be, rejoice and count it worthy to suffer for the Lord. Whatever it takes. And it is amazing. Just now, I think Joey, you said Jesus prayed on the cross. Was it Joey? Say, forgive them for they know not what they do, right? Do you know this guy that never appeared in the four Gospels called Stephen? When they were about to stone him, this innocent man was about to die. He said, God, forgive them. It's the same passion, my friend. It is the same passion that I'm praying reluctantly sometimes and say, God, how will I have such passion for you? I believe that this passion is not 
by human effort. This passion, it is because God is pouring out His love into our life. It is filling us so much so that it begins to overflow. It is because we experience God's love for us so much. Scott, so probably second week of following Jesus, I do not know. But you know what? It is fun, exciting, yet it is real. The passion of Jesus. Our passion for Jesus determines how we would build His kingdom, how we would love His church. This disciples that follow Jesus, they were coward. They, 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 were, they were coward in, in the beginning, but they turned into brave men, whatever it takes. I want to read to you what is Jesus really passionate about? John chapter 2, verse 13 to 22. Again, it's quite a long passage, but it's probably the last long passage that we have. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Now, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus went out to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. When he had said to those who sold doves, Take this make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus has said. Jesus visited the temple and he was furious because people were not seeking God. People were doing business. In today's term, it's probably some people to come and see what benefit they can get, you know. And probably they were just fulfilling some religious duty. Let's come and get this done and let's build some connection, get some benefit. And let's go. There was no prayer. There was no connection with God. And Jesus was furious. He actually made a whip. Wow. Is this the Jesus that you know? He made a whip and he chased all these merchants out and the oxen and the animals out. And the disciples remember the Bible in Psalms that the zeal for your house has eaten me up. Zeal can also mean passion. It's that Jesus has this passion for God's house that he felt that that passion has eaten him up. I do not know. Sometimes when you come to church, I, I remember when I first encountered God, that passion for God's house, 
can burn so strongly when people don't respect, when people don't love the house of God. I, I, I feel really, really bad because the zeal for his house, it's real. And when he began to do that, the authority asked him, by what you do this? Who are you? Many Bible scholars believed this incident in the book of John happened in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It was right after Jesus performed the miracle of turning water into wine. It was like the introduction of his ministry. He said, I'm here to cleanse the temple. Because Jesus is a high priest. And if you read Leviticus, the job of a high priest is to cleanse the temple. But the other three Gospels recorded another incident when Jesus cleansed the temple again. And that happened right before His crucifixion. In fact, the timeline is almost as if because Jesus offended these priests so badly and they wanted Him dead. When He cleansed the temple, they were so upset, they decided to take His life. Now, I'm not here to debate whether Jesus cleansed the temple once or twice. We will ask Jesus when we meet Him. But one thing is for sure. Jesus is so passionate about His temple, His house, to be a house of prayer. In fact, when He talks about, if you destroy this temple, I will build it up in three days. Jesus was talking about His own body. He is the temple of God. He carries the presence of God. He said, even if you destroy it, my body will be restored in three days. And you know what, friends? Jesus is passionate about His temple. He's passionate about His church. He's passionate about you and I. Whether we are able to pray, whether we are able to connect with God or not. He's passionate whether His church is clean so that when He comes back one day, that He will find His church blameless. He's passionate that when people come to the house of God, they actually encounter Him. They actually know Him. They actually know God. Jesus is so passionate for His temple that the, the one time that you see Jesus had holy anger, it was about His temple. It was about His presence. It was about the house of God. That is why if there is one thing that we should be upset, don't be upset about the world out there. If there is one thing that we should be upset is our, the house of God is not holy. The house of God is not serving the purpose it should. The house of God is not praying. The house of God is not carrying the name of God. And the house of God is not fulfilling its purpose. If there is one thing that we should be upset, don't be upset about the world out there. They still do not know God. But we are the children of God. And Jesus, He Himself, is the chief cornerstone of this temple. You and I, are part of this temple. That is why this conference that we have is not about speakers, it's about Jesus and His 
house, his body. And we want to pray for a conference that everyone will remember about Jesus. It's a conference that Jesus wants. It's a church that Jesus wants. Jesus took the trouble in the book of John to speak to Peter, right? Peter denied Jesus three times. And Jesus asked that question three times. Remember, Jesus spoke to Peter before that Peter, you are the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, right? Of course, we know Jesus is also the rock. But what I'm tr trying to show you is Jesus restores Peter by that passion so that Peter can build his house because Jesus is in the business of building his house today. That is why week in and week out when people come to the house of God, we expect them to be touched by God because Jesus is in the business of building his church. And I'll read to you, Peter understand it very clearly. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. It says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Jesus is calling all of us. He has chosen us to be living stones. Living stones. Right? You and I, why not you just tell a neighbor, you are a living stone. Maybe he, your neighbor has acted like a stone for the past half an hour. <laughs> At least he's leaving. What is the implication of this? If we are the living stones, built his temple, and Jesus is so passionate about cleansing his temple, I think there is only one conclusion, that Jesus wants to cleanse us, his bride. Jesus wants to cleanse us, his body. Jesus wants to cleanse us, the stone that will form his temple. Because he wants us to be a house of prayer that will carry the passion for his name. You know, every time in the book of Acts, when the disciples suffered, they did not suffer for the bad things that they do. They did not suffer for the healing they have. They say, even the priest told them, you can heal, you can do all that, but don't do it in his name. So these people, they are, these disciples, they actually can, if they were Chinese, they probably like, let's, let's do it another way. We heal already, then we hide, <laughs> right? We heal already, then we don't mention the name of Jesus. But they say, no, we will suffer for his name. Guys, I, I do not know if in Malaysia you will ever suffer for his name. We hope not. But 
the Christians in China pray that suffering will never leave them. Because when suffering left them, the church stopped growing. The kingdom of God stopped growing. I do not know how we should pray. You figure out yourself. But I think the Bible says we should equip ourselves with the attitude of suffering in what circumstance, even if we don't have to suffer physically, let us suffer for our neighbours, for our friends who have yet to know His name. Let us carry His name wherever we go, even when it is not convenient. In the book of Acts, these people, they really feed His lambs, tend His flock, build His house. Can I have the musicians? We have a decision to make this morning. Jesus was passionate for you, my friends. He loves us. But the passion should continue. Though Jesus is not physical, His spirit is. His body is. And the Bible says, Jesus performed all miracles, signs and wonders by His Spirit. That was why I realized that in the book of Acts, it was crazy. Healings were happening everywhere. People even queue up at the street, hoping that the shadows of the disciples were to pass by. I was like, wow, Jesus, it seems as if they were trying to remove that one Jesus so that there will not be trouble anymore. And now, Jesus, you are in heaven. You have so many more. And even their shadows heal people. Can we still see this kind of church today? I believe that it is not by our own human wisdom. I believe with all my heart it is still the work of the Holy Spirit. But it is our work. It is our surrender today. I think when I look at Jesus who died for me and He asked Daniel, do you love me? And it's a very simple question. It's either yes or no. And if I say yes to Jesus, he would probably tell me the same thing. Feed my lambs. Tend my flock. Build my church. Build the temple of God. And I pray that if Jesus visits us today, He will not be furious, but He will be pleased because we are here to pray encounter Him. Some of you, you may ask, but the church that I attend is not perfect. City Light is not perfect. And maybe some of you, you might say, the church that I come from is far from the church that Jesus describes. Can I share with you something? The church that Jesus went to 
that the temple was far from perfect. And even after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, the Bible tells us that even the disciples during the hour of prayer, they still went to the temple. Even though it might not be a Mosaic temple or I do not know, probably it was still Jewish people. But to them, they understood that there is something about the house of God. It is where the glory of God dwells. And today I pray there will be a spiritual impartation as you pray and surrender your life to God. God will make you a living stone. God will begin to put that passion for His house inside of you. It's not what we human can do, not what the words that I preach can do. It is the Holy Spirit that will begin to put this passion that is burning in you and say, I love, I, I, I love the house of God. I love the lambs, the sheep. I love the house of prayer. Can we stand to our feet this morning? What would be your answer? Can we close our eyes and bow our head? If you have not accepted Jesus, you have not experienced His passion for you, today God's love is here to meet your need. His love is real. But I believe many of us here, we know we have believed in Him. But something is missing in our lives. That we love to come to His house to receive something. But it never dawned upon us that Jesus has called you to be a living stone, a brick, just a brick that will form His temple. That your life will be a house of prayer and your life will be connected to the great body of Christ across the globe that your body is not your own, but it belongs to Jesus who saved you and given you a new life. I wonder how many of us this morning, you know in your heart, deep in your heart, that something must change. Something is missing. You wonder, you come to church week in and week out, you wonder what is missing. And Jesus us is asking you today do you love me my son my daughter do you love me if you love me feed my lamb if you love me when you were younger you girded yourself and walked where you wish but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you wherever you do not wish I do not know how God wants to use your life, but I know if you are a living stone, He wants to use your life for His glory, to carry His name. How many of us this morning, you want to surrender your life to God and say, God, here I am, a passion for your name.
Jesus, you are passionate about your house, which is me, God. And today, God, as me being your house, I am passionate for your name so that this house will always carry your name and your glory. This house will always do what you have assigned us to do.